Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. This week I have on a friend of mine, Ian Baldwin, who does some design work for bands and has been in bands previously. How are you doing today, Ian? Good. How are you? Good. It's a little early for me. We're recording around nine o'clock my time, so I feel like I literally rolled out of bed and started recording. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. It Not a problem being at all. The- Midwest. I'm sure I have a couple friends in California, so we always have to coordinate ahead of time, like what's not too early. But yeah, I'm I'm usually up at this time anyway. It's just I'm not usually doing anything. So right. hopefully I don't have any speaking problems this time. I have had that happen on podcasts before where the words just don't come out correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, why don't we go ahead and jump right in? So when did you really first get into music? Um, well, I started, I didn't really have an interest in music until like my eighth grade year of a grade school. My parents were pretty, um, strict on what they allowed in the house media wise. So, um, my dad introduced me to like contemporary Christian music and the first band I really, uh, latched on to was Reliant K. Uh, they're a band from Canton, Ohio. Right. So for me being from Ohio, I really took a liking to like just their style of music and the fact that they were uh, from my home state. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even realize that Reliant K was a Christian-centered band at first Mm -hmm. because, you know, in the days of MTV actually playing music videos and stuff, they had a few things on there and their kind of more mainstream releases that came out. Yeah. Were what I was really exposed to. And then I found out they were a Christian band and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially now with like their more recent uh, music, they don't even really have like a faith based um, lyrics or anything. So it's been kind of interesting to see as I was growing up, like just how they took, you know, like pivoted from like their Christian market into more of a mainstream market today. Yeah, and you mentioned first getting into it really in eighth grade. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what happened with me, like when I really started to develop my own music tastes and everything, because up until then, you know, I was just listening to whatever my parents had on the radio, and typically that was, you know, the country radio stations right? and, like, classic rock. So, you know, I was very familiar with, like, Guns N' Roses and that sort of thing and all the country artists. But then eighth grade, it's like, I think that was probably right around the time American Idiot came out or Green Day was working on American Idiot. So then it just kind of went from there because I think eighth grade was what, like 2006 for me. So yeah, I think it was right around when American Idiot had come out. Wow, that seems so um, long ago. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. I was a sophomore, freshman or sophomore in high school when that came out and I remember uh, one of my friends getting the CD and us listening to it on a splitter in the back of his parents car uh, on the way home from school so it's just really funny like yeah we can't listen to this in the car because <laughs> my parents aren't gonna like you know really dig like the content and especially like how political and kind of like F you like F the government and everything yeah it's <laughs> so. it's really funny uh, my cousin who had lived with my parents and I a couple times on and off. She was a huge Green Day fan when she was a teenager. So like back when their earlier albums had come out. Mm -hmm. And so 
my mom was actually enjoying Green Day because of my cousin, probably. So my mom didn't care that we would constantly listen to American Idiot or anything. Right. So that that was pretty cool that I was kind of given that chance to just kind of branch off and listen to some different things. And I know from there, it kind of rolled into listening to Blink, Yellow Card, and all those kind of bands. And then in high school, I had a friend I would just go to shows with all the time. Yeah. So that's when I first also really started going to shows and that sort of thing, which was, you know, a whole different experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me, too, I mean, of course, like I had gotten into like what my dad introduced me to and then going into high school, any CD I could get my hands on for my friends or LimeWire download or whatever, oh, yeah. like <laughs> I would... I would just consume it without even like deciding that I liked the band at first. I wanted to like explore the, their discography or their singles before deciding if I like was going to become a fan of that band and buy their music. So, I mean, a lot of the time, especially with today, like with Spotify and Apple music, like I'm streaming music before I purchase anything. Yeah. And it's the same with me. I have Apple Music now. And typically then when I purchase an album, it's usually on vinyl because mm -hmm. I feel like now that's kind of just the way I like to collect music because, you know, the new laptops don't have CD trays or anything to play CDs. So I feel like CDs right. are kind of a waste of money just because the only place I have to listen to them is in my car. And, right. you know, I'm not spending hours upon hours of the day in my car every day. So, right. and plus, you know, the vinyl typically comes with download cards now. So that's always a plus. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, let's move on a little bit. Were you in any bands previously, like in high school or anything? Yeah, um, I had switched from going to private school to doing uh, online classes my junior year. And the nice thing about that was I was able to spend a lot of time on MySpace and also just just spend more time on the internet and exploring bands um, and meeting new people that way. And I had been I had gotten a drum set from an old friend of mine um, at my other high school, uh, like during the summer of my like going into my junior year so i had played drums for about six months and decided that i wanted to find a band to join so i think i posted like a bulletin on myspace saying i was looking for a band and a friend had reached out to me and said um he knew of a guy that was looking for a drummer so we just started jamming in his basement nice. uh, and the name the name of that band was farewell miss and definitely don't look it up <laughs> but yeah, we that was like my first experience, like recording, uh, playing shows like in my local area at like the attic and uh, gathering grounds, which I, I don't know if anyone has mentioned those venues on this podcast, but they were definitely like the more popular all age venues in this area. Um, definitely. I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. Like, I don't know what made me want, I guess just going to local shows and seeing like that anyone could play an instrument and get on stage and express themselves was like what made me want to like become a musician like and be more serious about it nice well we can exclude that link from the show notes if you don't want people looking up that band so 
Yeah, absolutely. But so did you follow that up with being in any other bands as your, you know, music taste kind of progressed from there? Yeah, um, I was a bit of a band hopper. So anytime I saw like a band wasn't really working out, like either the members just weren't cooperating and didn't have the same vision of where they wanted to take the band. Um, I would usually find another band to join that just were more in my taste at the time. So I went from being like in a screamo band to like more of a a metal band and then into more of another like rock screamo band, which is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like just I'm so glad that genre of music is kind of like I mean more it's I guess more so it's metalcore now, but it's right. like evolved and become a little more mature in my mind. Yeah, that was screamo was really one of those genres that I couldn't really quite get into because most of the time I felt like I couldn't understand what anyone was saying. And I was just like, I don't understand how you guys do this. I mean, right? I, you have to be, you have to have a certain kind of talent to be able to scream like that. I do realize that and understand that, but it's just like, I focus so much on lyrics that if it's something that I have to try really, really hard just to even understand what the lyrics are, it just kind of turns me off from listening to that band or that those you know genres in general so I felt like I definitely quickly went the more you know pop punk route and that sort an indie rock even as my taste sort of progressed yeah definitely uh that was the same for me too just like basically figuring out like okay like there's really nothing that anyone can grasp onto for the types of bands I was playing in the lyrics just weren't that great to begin with. And I don't know. It was interesting. I'm definitely glad that um, my taste changed and like grew over time. Right. And you mentioned some of the venues in the Ohio area, like where you live, where you grew up and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Where was your favorite spot to catch a show? And what was the scene? What is the scene really like there? Um, it's definitely kind of been a roller coaster as far as like what venues to go to. We had like the attic and the gathering grounds. We've had like skate parks that I really enjoyed going to. Like uh, bands like the Devil Wears Prada and Miss May I would play these skate park shows a lot of the times when they were first getting started um, and before they got noticed. So I would often go to those in my hometown. Um, and nowadays, I'm going more to Columbus and Cincinnati to catch shows, um, like at the LC Pavilion, which is now Express Live, and um, Double Happiness, and uh, there's a couple other like bars there. But that most of those shows are put on by Bravo artists, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with. I am not, but it sounds like they know what they're doing over in the Columbus area and everything, so that's yeah. <laughs> probably a plus. Yeah, definitely. Do you think the do you think the scene has become kind of bigger in the Midwest in general? I know on a previous episode I did with Ray Harkins, he said when he was in Taken and touring that sometimes, you know, it was these little off the beaten path places that were the really fun places to play because the kids there, they just didn't see nearly as many shows as, you know, like, say, I would get the chance to do in Orange County in L.A., yeah, uh, definitely. Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, do you, do you think the scene has really you know progressed from being 
you know, these little no-name places or kind of towns people didn't really tour in quite as often. Yeah, I I think it's definitely a different market. I think um, especially with the way, like, bands are able to track, like, where their fans are at now with, like, mailing lists, like, getting zip codes and stuff, collecting those. Right. And um, I know there's a service called, uh, oh, what is it? It's owned by Pandora now, but basically it's a way to like link up all of your social media profiles and get okay. that data to tell like where your fans are at, like on a map, kind of similar to like Google Analytics. Right. It's just like, okay, if all these people are listening in this city, like we definitely need to go play there. You know what I mean? And yeah, Spotify too can tell you like what cities uh, people are listening to you in. Yeah, and I know even with Facebook now, you can specifically like geotag certain cities or regions to mm -hmm. target your fans in that area. And I know that's definitely a good way to kind of see who's going to be coming out to the show and everything. But the downside to that is I don't think too many bands do that all that often, or maybe they just, you know, don't know how or their label doesn't implement it in their social media plan because, you know, I'll get posts showing up on my newsfeed for shows that I could never possibly go to just because they're not anywhere close to me. So I think right. that's definitely something that's being a little underutilized by bands. Yeah, I think if there's more like blog posts or training that comes out for that, I mean, I think that's more of a management role or like a content creator would be the one to like utilize that and like tell a band like, hey, we, we should be using this. But I don't know of many like local or even regional bands that necessarily know um, how to use those features on Facebook. Right. So how do you usually go about finding bands, new bands to listen to? Uh, a lot of the times it's just recommendations by friends. I know like in the Slack group we're a part of, uh, people usually post links in there in the music channel. Yeah. A lot of the times I'll listen to the Discover Weekly playlist on Spotify or just look at related artists on band profiles that I already enjoy. Yeah, I've heard quite a bit about the Discover Weekly playlist on Spotify. I know it's been somewhat more of a recent thing. And, you know, I think they have one. It's like Fresh Picks or something like that. And mm -hmm. as someone who uses Apple Music, they have the For You section with a bunch of playlists. But it's not really a... I wouldn't say it's necessarily a discovery feature because it's mostly artists that you've already listened to or already like. So right. I definitely think I need to kind of open up Spotify and get to that playlist and see how that works and everything, because I've heard a lot of great things about it. And you mentioned the Slack group. I think some of the members are trying to kind of get it to be a little more active. It was in the beginning, but I feel like, you know, everyone's kind of been busy doing their own thing and maybe forgot about it a little bit, because I know some people like signed in and it's like you haven't seen them post anything <laughs> so right. i think yeah, it's definitely gotten really busy since the beginning of the year um, yeah and i know like chorus fm just became like a thing that jason tate put out with absolute punk like yeah. changing um so i've noticed a lot of members in our slack group kind of posting on there more so um i guess i i feel like people just migrate to like what's the most active thing and where the most users are Right. And Chorus is definitely super active already. Um, I was testing it a bit before the official launch. And mm -hmm. 
there were already quite a few people there and it's like once jason opened it up to everyone it just like blew up and yeah. i got to the absolute punk site quite late so when i had signed up and made an account there it's like the forums were already way too overwhelming for me to even know where to start and i think the way he has chorus laid out and everything obviously you know the site looks a lot more fresh more up to date and everything and then the community has just been great you can you know edit your posts which i i don't know how that's not a thing on twitter yet i don't understand why you can't edit your tweets yet because I find myself, you know, deleting a bunch because I mistyped a word and didn't realize it or it, something auto-corrected to the wrong word, you know? Yeah, definitely. I had joined Absolute Punk like in 2008 or nine, and then just didn't really understand forums as much as I do now. So I decided to like just leave it. And I came back about a year or two ago to check it out again because I wanted to network and like make friends with more music listeners that had the same tastes as me. Yeah. So I was like really happy when I was like, okay, this isn't mobile friendly. Like you can't embed like certain things. And now with chorus, you're able to do like all of that. Yeah. Basically all you have to do is put in a link and it'll just format everything for you, which is super nice. I know Jason put a lot of work into it and we'll actually be having him on the podcast in the near future. So that's awesome. Everyone can definitely learn a lot more about Chorus and what went into that. But, you know, and it's not just a great place for music. It's a great place for a ton of other things. Like I've been talking to a lot of people about comic books, which I've more recently been getting into. Yeah. Star Wars stuff, you know, books in general. And it's like anything and everything you are obsessed with in the slightest can be found on Chorus FM. So, you know, if you haven't made an account yet, definitely head there, check that out. And everything yeah i like that aspect of it that it's not just music because i recently in the past two years listened to podcasts about every day either like commuting to work or a show since i have to drive like an hour or two to go to a show right yeah. <laughs> typically or just while i'm at my day job working i'll listen to a podcast usually about business or music or uh star wars or batman or something <laughs> yeah i subscribe to an insane amount of podcasts everyone's like how do you listen to all of those i'm like i kind of just listen all day yeah five days a week at least because you know the weekends are kind of lighter on the posting of podcasts and everything yeah so and i mean right now all i'm doing is working on you know my podcast hi-fi noise and the label so it's not like i'm going to a job at the moment where I can't listen to them. Even at mm -hmm. my job I did have, it was just data entry. So I could sit at my desk and listen all day because you weren't really supposed to talk to anyone on a regular basis unless you had a question, essentially. Right. So in order to keep myself busy, I would just listen to podcasts or music for all eight hours I was there. Yeah, you can definitely get lost. Like, if you subscribe to a lot of podcasts and then they'll definitely mention podcasts on their shows. Oh that you yeah. Listen to. <laughs> so you usually go down quite the rabbit hole, just like can all these podcasts are kind of connected together. In yeah. Just Bill Simmons alone is making me go down the rabbit hole. They just launched, you know, a new feed for NFL and NBA specific podcasts nice. because what they were doing before for anyone who isn't familiar, they have, the Bill Simmons podcast feed, which is just his show. And then they have Channel 33, which is like basically the pop culture feed. But they had, you know, 
college football basketball podcasts in there and a few mm-hmm. other things so now they're kind of splitting those off so even though my amount of podcasts might stay the same it's going to look like i listen to a lot more now because there's two extra feeds to subscribe to yeah but it's like just for bill simmons and the ringer stuff alone it's like there's four podcasts i subscribe to for essentially one media outlet right but yeah, I know you do some design work for bands as well, and that's really what I wanted to dive into on this episode with you. Cool. When did you really get into doing design? So um, for me, I started designing for my own bands out of necessity. Right. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money to spend other than on like our own instruments and you know, just definitely not co- going into a band at first. Like You don't really like know all the expenses you just think oh we're just gonna play shows and make money right and when you're starting out you don't make a lot of money playing shows because nobody knows who you are yeah or any (laughs) if you're lucky (laughs) right exactly so um i would make flyers from like google images which i later found out was definitely not the best route to take (laughs) because of copyright and right that sort of thing but I would download fonts on defont.com um, and use like paint, Microsoft paint. Right. So I didn't have like Photoshop or any other like Adobe programs starting out um, until I went into uh, my junior year of high school. The private or the public school I went to had a multimedia class that you could take. And that introduced me to like all the Adobe programs and just being able to learn how to use them like every day was such an awesome thing and I didn't even know that it could become a career until they told me like hey this is a class you could take and then eventually go to like a career school or college to like learn more um and then for me like I I had attempted to do college and found out there's already a ton of information on the internet and tutorial websites that you could subscribe to for a lot cheaper than thousands of dollars a year right yeah (laughs) so I decided to go that route and uh drop out of college yeah and I know you mentioned Photoshop and the other Adobe programs I also took a class in high school that kind of centered around those programs the only problem was they were using like at the time it was like it had to have been like Adobe CS2 or something and later in high school I ended up with copies of CS6 and I would open those and kind of try to remember what I had learned in my class the year before and everything just looked so different to me that I was like I don't even know where to start with this and I know you and I have talked in the Slack group previously about you know I've asked you where to find tutorials and that sort of stuff and Mm -hmm. I definitely need to start digging into those more But what I'm really curious about is, did you just start, you know, right away with using Photoshop and doing everything digitally? Or do you kind of draw out your ideas first and get a better idea of what you want something to look like? Um, At first, I just kind of put everything together without sketching anything ahead of time, which now I like have kind of learned that that's definitely not the best approach to take because you're spending more time say like, okay, this would look good here. This would look good here, but you're just wasting your time because you could sketch it out on paper first and at least have an, okay, like this looks aesthetically pleasing on paper. Right. Now let me put it 
into Photoshop or Illustrator and make it that way. So I've definitely taken that approach. The like older I've gotten and the more uh, tutorials that take that approach first, like that's how they teach you to do it. Yeah. But I, th- I think it's different for everyone because, I mean, sometimes you can just jump right in because you have that clear of a picture in your head of what you want to make, you know? Yeah, see, I definitely don't think that's something I could do. So I figured, all right, let me, you know, try to draw a few things first, you know, take some drawing tutorials from the internet or whatever, Mm -hmm. recreate those and kind of see where that goes. So far, all I've done is pretty much draw a stormtrooper helmet. So it's not (laughs) it's not quite symmetrical, but it looks like a stormtrooper helmet. So, you know, that's a plus in my book. But when you do sketch out stuff do you scan it and then open it in photoshop or do you just kind of keep the sketch in front of you and recreate it in photoshop or illustrator uh if i'm making a logo like i made a logo for this band called hold your breath that is from dayton and i took a brush pen and just wrote out their name probably like over like 20 or 30 times and picked out like the best letters from each like time i had written the name uh, so I, I scanned all those in and took it in Illustrator and then just picked the best ones and did like a, um, there's like an outline you can do. I forget what it's called exactly. Um, a live trace. So I did like a live trace to get like that in digital form and then tweak it from there. And for album covers, I'll usually draw like a pretty rough picture of what either photos I would want to take or stock photos I would want to get from sites like Unsplash or other like royalty free websites. Right. And just like, okay, this is kind of like the clear idea. I can either take a picture of it and, you know, put it in like an assets folder to refer to later or just look at it on my desk. But I usually like to keep my desk pretty clear. So I'll typically take a picture and like Dropbox it or email it to myself. Right. And how do you find bands to work with? I know you said you really started out doing it for your own bands, but since Mm -hmm. then I know it's kind of brought into maybe, you know, friends, bands, other bands who like your work and want to hire you. Yeah. Typically, honestly, I would just find bands from going to shows and telling people, I mean, they'll ask me like, Hey, are you playing in a band? It's like, I'm not here. Like I'm here to like listen to music. And I also do graphic design work. And I typically have like cards on me so they can find me on like social media or just shoot me an email. But I've also had a lot of referrals from people that just know what I do and their friends asking them if they know anyone that does graphic design. Right. And you have a site called Here and See Design. How did you kind of come up with that name and that logo for yourself? It's funny. I was like starting to book shows in Dayton at a church I was going to. And just felt like I needed to have a name like such and such presents like these bands. Right. So I wanted like, eventually I want to make here and see like a place that like I could use it as a promotion company or I don't know. I'm like trying to come up with ideas for it, but right now I just do graphic design. But originally I was using it as like a way to like present shows. And I honestly can't recall how I came up came up with <laughs> it was just like a random idea in my head um but initially like what it means to me is like for music like you hear it first before you see it typically right so in my mind i was like if i'm going to promote bands 
I could have a website where people could hear the music before they go see it live. So that was kind of the initial like idea behind the name. And as far as like design goes, I felt like it could be associated the same way. Right. Well, that's definitely really cool. What about the logo itself? You know, it quite literally is an eye. So you have the seeing part there. Mm -hmm. But how did you come up with that on top of, you know, the name for the design? Well, I have kind of as the iris of the eye, I have like a waveform. Right. So that like to me, like hearing and seeing the wave of some sort, um, I was just putting like random, not random, but symbols together that I felt like worked well and just made like a cohesive logo that would represent my brand. Yeah, and it's definitely something that's nice and simple. And, you know, we've seen a lot of companies and brands doing this lately where they'll have, you know, sometimes minimal designs, but they're super easy Mm -hmm. to remember and everything. I know the latest one that I can think of was when Uber underwent their little design change, which, you know, I'm not entirely sure I understood it but you know everyone was like up in arms about Uber changing their logo and everything but you know both were still pretty minimalistic designs that Uber had yeah actually I'm looking up their new logo right now because I haven't did it change on the app like the app uh symbol basically yeah they changed it from you know that U shape to something that is definitely not a U shape. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, re- I remember seeing this now because my wife had it downloaded on her phone. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm not mad about it. I mean, they can do whatever they want, but that's that's definitely interesting. Yeah, I thought it was funny how many people were getting mad about it. I'm like, you don't you don't work for the company. Why do you care? It's just an app on your phone. Like, you're still gonna use Uber no matter what their logo looks like, probably. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, so for here in C, I mean, I just, I want some, like, I wanted something that I could use that would stand alone. Like, I had a friend of mine make um, vinyl stickers that I could stick around town, or if I was out at a show and the bar was really gross, I could just stick it, like, on a bathroom, like, mirror (laughs) or something, you know, just, like, get it out, like, out there. But something I could, like, put on my car or friends' bands could put, like, on their guitar cases or something. Like, I feel like it, once I use it more and I, like, have worked with more bands, like, it's going to be a little more recognizable. Um, I don't know if you remember the company um, Sons of Nero. They used to make a lot of MySpace layouts and do a lot of artwork for bands. Okay, sounds familiar. They had a pretty distinct logo that was, like, this raindrop. Uh, and then like a cross, like uh, the red cross kind of like yeah. inside of it, which I thought was kind of neat. I don't know how they came up with that or like what the the meaning behind it was, but you could always, you always knew when you saw that like banner on a band's MySpace profile that it was Sons of Nero. Right. So for my logo, if I ever put it like on the back of a CD, like maybe underneath like the credits or something, like I would probably just have the the eye symbol and hope that that becomes recognizable the more I use it. Yeah. I just put out a CD release for my label and, you know, the Wreck-It Records logo is on the back of it, but I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, because they make them so small with the logo I have now, it's a little hard to read that it says Wreck-It Records, 
So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if, you know, maybe I need to come up with a little alternate design there that's just, you know, the label name in a different way. This way, the image kind of isn't distorting the words on it. Right. Because I've noticed, you know, if you go pull out any major label CD, if you happen to get like a Capitol Records one, it's just going to say mm-hmm. Capital on it. So you can, you know, clearly read it, but they do still print them fairly small depending on the release. So it's like you right. kind of, with that sort of stuff, like you mentioned on the back of CDs, you definitely have to have something that is easy to notice and you'll just know right away what it is especially if it's something like yours that won't have words with it Mm -hmm. yeah and that's something i'm as i'm making more logos for bands and possibly brands in the future like just telling them like hey like you need to keep in mind that this isn't only going to be like massive or like if it's going to be like your avatar in your social media profiles it might be a little harder to read so you might want to come up with an alternate version that can be used in those cases Yeah, and the funny thing is, well, possibly more the dumb thing on my part, I had a friend kind of slightly redesign the Wreck-It Records logo because before it's like the record was kind of shiny and it just didn't look great. So I had her basically flatten the image and kind of just make it Mm -hmm. all black, all red, and that sort of thing. And she had actually Mm -hmm. sent me alternate logos and which I thought mm-hmm. I had downloaded all of them, but I guess one day I just went through and like kind of did a purge of my Gmail because there were like thousands of emails oh, no. in there in the archives <laughs> and whatnot. And then, of yeah. course, then her laptop pretty much died on her. So I yeah. still never got those alternate logos again. <laughs> so then I, I feel I... bad because, you know, I kind of keep asking her every once in a while. And it's like she still Mm -hmm. hadn't had her laptop completely fixed or anything. So I'm like, all right, Mm -hmm. I'll ask, you know, again in a month or something. So I have yet to ask her again because I'm not entirely sure what's going on. But it's like I felt so bad. I was like, oh, why did I do this? Yeah. Because I I even searched like frantically through my Gmail. I was like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, I've definitely done that before where I made a design for a friend or a band and they lose it somehow. And then I thought I put it on like my external hard drive and I didn't and don't have a backup of it on Gmail or Google Drive or something. So I'm trying to be a lot more mindful of that moving forward. Like even if it's going to be like a couple years later, they might still need it for something. Yeah. And I think the thing was she had it on her computer, but like you mentioned, didn't have a an external drive with it on there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I at least have the current logo, but Mm -hmm. after, you know, we've been talking about this whole back of the CD thing, I'm trying to remember what the alternate logos looked like because I'm sure one of those Mm -hmm. might've been a better fit for the back of a CD or something like that with the name Mm -hmm. easier to read. So now I'm just kind of like, kicking myself all over again that I went and deleted that email. Yeah, I'm sure like she would remember what it looked like or there's always, I don't know, like I'm sure there's a way that you could find something similar or make something similar. Yeah, because I know she did like two or three alternates maybe just because I think she was bored and just kind of wanted to play around with it. So I'm not entirely sure because this was like, at least a year ago probably 
and mm-hmm. I still, you know, haven't been able to get the alternate logos back yet. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know if she even ended up having access to any of her files again. That's why, you know, I mean, on my MacBook Pro, it'll like remind me. It's like, hey, you haven't backed up your stuff in like a month. And I'm like, all right, got to do that, <laughs> you know, right. so that little reminder is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I need to get a new external hard drive in the next month or so. Um, both of mine have filled up. Yeah, I think what I need to start doing is put in like a weekly reminder every Friday or Saturday. Hey, back your stuff up j- just to mm-hmm. be more consistent with it. Yeah, definitely. But continuing on your design stuff, do you plan on, you know, branching out from working with bands and maybe, you know, working with companies or brands that are still involved in the music scene? Yeah, I've definitely thought about that. Um, There's friends that I've talked to in the past couple months that said they're working on things that they could use my services for. Um, And I do want to focus, like, I do focus mainly on artwork and logos for bands, but I'm definitely not, like, just so people kind of have a clear vision of, like, what I do and they don't get confused. Because I used to do, like, a lot of web design work for bands. Right. And I've since then, like, have referred them to other people that I think can do it a lot better than me. But yeah, just like if I did do more work for brands that work with bands or within the music industry, I probably wouldn't publish it in my portfolio unless it was something I was like really, really proud of or felt like was kind of aligned with like what I currently do. But yeah, I definitely have considered that. Yeah. And you mentioned doing artwork and logos for bands. Have any of the bands ever asked you to maybe, you know, help them come up with t-shirt designs or that sort of thing? Because, you know, that's generally similar to putting just either the logo or even artwork on a shirt. So have, has that come up at all? Yeah, definitely. Um, There was this band witness from Dayton that I did basically all of their album packaging, their logo. I did like basically video streams of all their songs so people could listen to them on youtube and um i did like a small like web store for them so i've like packaged everything together before like hey if like if you're able to afford like what this would cost for me to create it and like put in the financial investment for like a a cd release like i have no problem doing those things for you and i did a lot of merch designs for them around the album so I took like their album cover that I had made and made it um, like one color, basically. And that way they could print it on a shirt. I know they probably, especially now, you could print like a full color, like multiple color photo or album cover on a shirt. I've definitely seen that. But they wanted it as like a, uh, what's the word? Like a halftone look. Okay. So that was that was interesting to do. Um, and then a lot of the times I'll tell them, like, hey, like, you're able to take this logo and just put it on a T-shirt, like, pretty easily, you know? Right. Especially if it's something, you know, that's only one color or two colors, you know, if it's mm-hmm. just the band's name or something even. Yeah. And people buy that all the time. Um, right. I've, like, if the design for a T-shirt is usually a little more intricate, I'll usually refer them to my friend Brent Galloway. He specifically does band merchandise and merchandise for companies. Awesome. And I know you have a day job. Do you ever see design becoming something you could possibly do full time or, you know, maybe even work at a design firm and do the band stuff, you know, 
in your spare time? Um, ideally, I would love to do graphic design for bands full time. Um, right now, I'm overlapping my day job with what I'm doing for bands. So I've been saving six months worth of income so I can quit my day job in the next year or so and just kind of make the jump into full-time freelance for bands, um, which is definitely really scary because once that six months worth of income is depleted, you know, I would have to make sure I was like making enough money doing the work I do for bands enough to like sustainable living for me and my wife. Right. And she works, she works full-time right now for the summer, but she's, she takes classes like during the year and usually has to go back down to part-time. But I've also considered, like, if I made the jump, maybe just getting a part-time job, like, at a coffee shop or something, kind of as a way to, like, just pay the bills more or less. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, like, trying to make that transition and start making sure I can make more with the band work before quitting. <laughs> Definitely. Right. And, I mean, I understand that because, you know, in December, I made the decision to quit my job. I mean... You know, I don't have mm -hmm. two people to support like you do. And I was able to just move back home with my parents for now. But it's like part of me wonders if I did the right thing because I just, you know, wasn't really liking the job at all. It, you know, mm -hmm. it paid well for sitting at a desk all day. But it's like I wasn't able to spend the time I wanted to spend doing the things, you know, like my website or the label. So I've been able to focus on that a lot more now and even though you know it's not paying right now i'm hoping it can sort of turn into something that i can either you know get a writing job for a bigger website that can actually pay or you know maybe get some more bands on the label so i'm at least making a little bit of money and i know you and i have talked i've been trying to hit up bands do press start doing press at some what I well, I think it's fairly cheap rates because you know I've asked people who mm -hmm. work at actual PR firms what they charge, and to yeah. me that was just like kind of insane. I was like, wow, bands pay a lot for <laughs> PR, but you know, when you're at a firm like that, it really does pay off, and you see bands getting you know features in Billboard, Pup just got played on Beats One and everything. So it's like these smaller to mid-sized bands are getting a lot of recognition because of the work that the PR firms do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like you and I are in the same boat in that aspect. Like it's awesome that you have the opportunity to like take the risks now when you're able to live with your parents, because that's something I wish I would have taken advantage of when I, I had moved from Dayton, Ohio to Canton without a car to join a band. And, you know, like I had just graduated high school, I was able to work, uh, for the vocalist dad, he had like a recycle, uh, business, like processing, like recyclables. But like, for me, I was like, okay, I'm fresh out of high school. Like, this is a risk that I feel like I can take and land on my feet, even if the worst case scenario happens. And for me now, it's like, okay, I'm saving money to prepare for like the worst case scenario, you know? Right. And I mean, I have been applying to jobs since I would say maybe October of last year. So mm -hmm. before I even had quit my job, but it's like, you know, I majored in music industry knowing that this was what I wanted to do. But the problem is then with that, I don't know if it's necessarily a problem because a lot of times people just want to see that you went to school and have a degree and that sort of thing. 
but I've applied to right. non-music companies for, you know, social media coordinator jobs, you know, stuff that I know I could do. Mm-hmm. But I'm part of me is wondering if, oh, a music industry degree, what's that? You know, because some people are like, that's a major. And I'm just like, yeah, apparently, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I know a lot of people who have gone to school for that and they're currently going to school for that. And I feel like it definitely has its benefits. But at least for me, like the job I have currently, they recommended that you have like a two-year like associates or like a bachelor's degree. Right. And I didn't, but they hired me off of the experience that I had in my past. Like my resume had a lot of like, okay, I'm capable of doing this type of work. And I had had a track record showing that I was like reliable and would stay employed there for more than a year, you know? Right. Yeah, and the place I was at, I mean, since it is just data entry and they have, you know, 20, 30 people doing essentially the same thing there all the time, Mm -hmm. it's like from when I started there to when I left, everyone who sat around me, like, I believe it was four people were either fired or quit Mm -hmm. in the time that I had been there. So it's like a whole new group of people came in and then even one of those newer people left before I did and I wasn't even there for a full year. So it's like this place kind of knows that they're not going to keep a ton of people long term because there wasn't really an opportunity to move up in the company because, you know, everyone who had their own office had been there for forever pretty much (laughs) so you know it was kind of one of those places where they know they're a starting job for people and they're expecting high overturn on the people coming and going and that sort of thing so i didn't really feel too bad leaving because you know i knew within like a week they would have someone there to replace me basically so they always have people doing the work it's just you know I don't mind spreadsheets, but eight hours of staring at spreadsheets and just basically typing what's in the spreadsheet into a different computer is a little much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in spreadsheets all day, uh, making labels for boxes for product. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of telling Abby the other day, like, I'm pretty fed up with this. And I'm like, I would find a different job in a heartbeat when I can, when I have the time to look, you know? But the job pays pretty well now. So it's like just, you know, staying there a little longer to like make ends meet and save more money. Um, But they could definitely replace me like easily in like a week or two. Like my job is not hard at all. Right. And we also date calendars there. Like that's our main job. I'm just helping out with a different department basically uh, when they need the help. But like, I feel like, I mean, if I left and gave my two-week notice, they would be thrilled for me that I found something that I'm more passionate about and more, like, feel like it's more down my career path. So, I, like, I I don't ever, like, feel bad anymore leaving a job as long as it's under good terms, you know, and you give them the notice that they deserve. Yeah, and, I mean, they didn't seem to mind. I told my boss, I was like, basically, I'm just going to move back to Orange County and, you know... I think they all understood that there was no way making the drive from Orange County to where the place was every single day would be viable because I did that before I found an apartment up that way. And I spent four and a half hours in my car the first day to get to and from there. And I was just like, I think I got back to the house. It was like 730 
or something oh, and I had gosh. gotten off at 4.30 or 5 and I was just like, I don't want to do this. So, you know, yeah, my mom and I went and found an apartment. But then, you know, the people I lived with, not lived with, I lived by myself, but the other people in the complex, it's just like they were loud all the time. And, you know, my mm -hmm. neighbors would be yelling at each other at five in the morning so it's like I just wasn't sleeping as well as I should have either and I was like all right I can't really take this anymore so I just like got so fed up I just had to kind of leave both places essentially and you know I have slept so much better since then yeah for me now I'm like experiencing just like okay I need to know my limit and like how much I can handle because there, I think at least from a like emotional standpoint, there's only so much of one type of work that you can handle before you like, okay, I can't do this anymore. So I'm definitely reaching my limit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I understand that. Investing in like as much time as I can in, into like the graphic work I do for bands and I'm trying to spend more time uh, going to shows and like just getting out there. Like I had just gotten back from a mus uh, launch music conference uh, this past weekend and made so many good connections there was able to tell people like my story and kind of like like a brief summary obviously right of, like why I was at the conference and like what I enjoy doing and like just being face to face with people that might even be in the same boat as you like a ton of the bands there had day jobs and like they're just trying to learn as much as they can like if you're constantly learning and investing in your craft you're eventually gonna like find I think like the right job for you that can support your passion. Right. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer. We've been talking for almost an hour here, but before you go, you know, we mentioned finding new bands to listen to and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And this year there's already been a ton of new music out. What have you really been enjoying and which bands do you think, you know, our listeners should check out? Um, I could list a couple bands definitely from my local area that I've been enjoying. Um, there's this band called Weathervane that my friend Cody is in and uh, Jeff and Jordan and uh, Zach. Nobody would know them except <laughs> for maybe like previous bands they've been in. Um, right. I was in a band with Cody called States Away, but it's just great to like try to push their name out there because they're on a smaller label called uh, Hypergiant records i think okay um that have put out bands like pity sex and a few others i can't think of at the moment but they're like just a grungy like grunge band basically <laughs> like grunge punk right uh and they're really awesome uh emma rosa just put out a single yesterday that i really enjoy um the new blink 182 song is really good i don't know if you've heard that yet I did. I heard a version that someone had recorded, though, when it was, you know, first leaked. So I mm -hmm. have to go back and listen to, you know, the actual version that was released on K-Rock to really get a feel for it. Because, you know, the recorded one was obviously probably lesser quality because someone probably just ripped it as quickly as they could. But yeah, yeah. that's definitely <laughs> something I need to go back and listen to again. I did check out that Emma Rosa single and that was very good. They're a band I kind of never really got into, and I'm never sure why that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think with this new album, I've been hearing really good things about it. So now might be the time for me to sort of check them out and get into them. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, there's also this band I saw at launch uh, called XXI that have an album that came out last year called Inside Out that I've been listening to a lot in my car. But yeah, there's I'm always checking out new stuff, so it would definitely be hard to list everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. When I get you know the press releases sent to me for Hi-Fi Noise and everything, I think this past Friday, which was April 29th, I had like a list of 16 albums and EPs that came out that day that I was like, oh, oh dear, <laughs> you know, how are you going to listen to all that? I write and I listen to so many podcasts that I'm like, all right, I need to catch up on podcasts. This way I can have a day to listen to music, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Or, you know, I need to start finding a better way to mix the two in together throughout the day mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. But yeah, I looked at it, I was like, this is a lot of music and you know people are like oh are you going to be able to review this and this I'm like I don't know <laughs> you know I was like there's yeah. a lot of releases I can't review all 16 of them in one week I'm just one person right exactly I mean I have been getting a little help with the site um from Scott who also writes at Funeral Sounds and 36 Vultures he's done a couple reviews for the site so far that he you know wouldn't be able to do for funeral sounds or mm -hmm. maybe someone else at 36 vultures is already doing them. So, you know, that's been nice to kind of get some writing up from someone who isn't me. And then my friend MJ, who I host sports up with, he does some stuff for the site every once in a while when he has time, but he does stuff for like nine or 10 different sites because he does photography for a bunch of places and, writes mm -hmm. for a bunch of places so you know with him it's just kind of like ah just do whatever you can whenever you can and I'm good with that you know so I don't really yeah. give deadlines so to speak you know with Scott I was like if you could just have it done you know the week of release or something that's fine yeah. with me I actually just just met Scott at launch oh so right right yeah he was there <laughs> nice yeah yeah, I somehow never went to launch even when I was in Philly going to Drexel. And I, because, you know, when I was in Philly, I didn't have my car and everything. So mm -hmm. I was just like, I know how to use the subway, but that's about it, <laughs> you know? So it's like right. going to places outside of Philly was a little more difficult because, you know, the public transportation there was for Philly only pretty much, you know, the subways mm -hmm. did take you to a couple different cities, but they weren't. They didn't go far enough, basically. And I know I probably could have taken a train up there or something. But at the time, I was probably just too lazy to look into it or whatever. I only took the train once or twice. And, you know, I took it to Bryn Mawr to see a friend. And I was like, all right, am I even doing this correctly? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think that about covers it for, you know, going over your design work and your history with being into bands and getting into music and everything. So I just want to thank you for coming on to the show. This was definitely a great conversation. I'm sure I will have plenty more questions for you about design stuff, you know, in the Slack group or whatever, because I've yeah. been trying to kind of teach myself that sort of thing. I know it's definitely a good skill to have, you know, something that looks good on resumes and whatever, even if you can just put in your skills, you know, Photoshop, Illustrator, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm more than happy to help any way I can. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for having me.